Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Like a Midas touch by the very first time. I make decisions with my wallet, not my mind. Do Hello and welcome to Too Much Money, the podcast that asks, do you need to be crazy to be a billionaire or does being a billionaire make you crazy? I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Joe Piazza. And we're your hosts, and we're still not billionaires. No, we're not. We're not billionaires. But, you know, I don't know if I want to be, Dory. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. No, I'm here. I'm here for centimillionaire. But I'm oh, worried. Okay. I'm worried that if we were to cross into billionaire, you just that is when you cross the line into eccentric weirdo. Well, you know, Joe... It's really funny you say that because today we are going to be talking about kind of, I would say, like the quintessential eccentric millionaire. Is there a quintessential eccentric millionaire? I mean, I guess by definition, it's not, there's not, but um, this guy is like a real eccentric millionaire. Okay. Okay. I'm here for it. I just actually, you just gave me an idea for a book. Don't worry. I'll have the outline done by the time we get off this podcast. I mean, honestly, you, you will. I will. Um, But it's, it's, I think we should write a non-millionaire's guide to living like a millionaire. Great. Like a fake it till you make it kind of thing? No, just like based off stories in this podcast. Oh my God. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, Before I get to the story though, I I just want to highlight a couple emails that we've gotten recently. And you can email us at too much money podcast at gmail.com. Our pal Susie said that she laughed out loud when you asked, do you think the Four Seasons Lanai would sponsor this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't a joke, Susie. And our friend Paul said, this show sparks joy. Thank you for all the work you're putting into it. The Don Jr. sidebar during the Varsity Blues episode had me in stitches. Thank you so much. We also got a couple tips that I'm not going to share because they may make their way into future episodes. But if you have ideas for future episodes, billionaires that are just doing wacky things, 
let us know. Too much money podcast at gmail.com. Now, Joe. Yes. <laughs> Today we're talking about treasure. Oh, like like buried treasure? Like pirate like pirate treasure? Kind of, yes. Now, I I do think that when we think about billionaires and treasure, we often think about billionaires looking for like famous treasure that has never been found, like sunken pirate ships and stuff like that. Um, but as I mentioned, today we're talking about a pretty eccentric millionaire. He's not a billionaire, but I think it's safe to say he's, he's a millionaire um, who created his own treasure hunt. Oh, I like this. I like treasure hunts. Well, then, you know, you probably would have enjoyed this. Um, unfortunately, spoiler, it's been found. So you, you, can't, you can't join the hunt anymore. But the story of the treasure hunt, the man who did it, the search for it, it's, it's fascinating. So, okay, let me start by introducing you to Forrest Fenn. First of all, he has a great like treasure treasure hunting name, I think. Forrest mm. Fenn. Forrest Fenn. Forrest like, for, Fenn. Wait, Fenn P-H or Fenn F? With an F. F-E-N-N. Okay. And Forrest okay. with two R's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he, like his, you know, kind of like a brief biography. He was a former Air Force combat pilot who flew more than like 300 missions in Vietnam. He had been fascinated by adventure stories as a boy um, and also with treasure hunting. He found his first arrowhead when he was nine and he was hooked. And as I was reading, you know, the details of his biography, I was reminded of something that you have brought up again and again, <laughs> which is that being a rich man maybe also being a rich woman, but we have really only been talking about rich men seems to like in large part be about being able to do like bigger versions of the things you were obsessed with as a kid. Yep. Yep. If you were obsessed with finding arrowheads as a kid, which is a very typical kid obsession, then you would like to find treasure if you become a rich adult. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That is that is truth. That is true. Like there is just like a direct through line. It's like you get the money and you're like, oh, now I can do these things that I dreamed about as a kid. Now I can build a replica of the Titanic. <laughs> you know? <laughs> now I can buy dinosaur fossils. Like it just it it it's wild how it just kind of like repeats itself over and over. It really does. It really, you know, it's when we were first imagining this podcast. Yes. That hadn't occurred to me. I mean, Same. It, it did not come to me until we were buried, pun intended, in the research. And and yes. I had this revelation. Yes. I think, I think one of us needs to write this essay, to be honest. I mean, we could write it together. Let's write it together. Okay. okay done, let's write done. it together. Okay. Um. So... He was diagnosed with kidney cancer in 1998 and kind of like faced with his own mortality. He decided he wanted to do a treasure hunt where he would also be like 
buried with his riches? No. <laughs> Mm-mm. So like his his body would be like interred with like like a pharaoh? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like exactly. the like the king gods of Egypt. <laughs> oh my god, I had not made that connection, but mm-hmm. you are so right. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> that just is totally what it is. Not just a king, not just a god, a king god. King a king god. god. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That was his original plan for various reasons that did not end up happening. And instead, he decides he's just going to bury the treasure and create this treasure hunt. So he, uh, this is a quote from his obituary, that he ventured alone into the Rockies with precious items culled from his collection. 265 gold coins, hundreds of gold nuggets, hundreds of rubies, eight emeralds, two Ceylon sapphires, many diamonds, two ancient Chinese jade carvings, pre-Columbian gold bracelets and fetishes, and more. You know, I'm just going to stop you really quickly. He's really multi-culty. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> he is going, like, he seems to be pulling treasures from every different hemisphere and section of the world. Joe, that is an astute observation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we will get into that more a little bit later in the episode. Um, the estimates of this treasure were from him. So, like, we don't, you know, he's there, the estimates range from anywhere from like one to two million dollars. So, not, not an insignificant amount of treasure that he's burying here, right? Like, to just no. leave out there, right? He's just, he's just burying two million dollars worth of stuff. And this treasure hunt would come to captivate thousands of people. At one point, he, and I don't know where he got this number from, but he said that more than 65,000 people had tried searching for it. Of course they did. Of course they did. I mean, yes, if someone's like, I just buried a bunch of rubies somewhere in the world. Yes. People people are going to be looking. Totally. So he announced the hunt in a 2010 memoir called The Thrill of the Chase. And in this memoir, there was a 24-verse poem <laughs> that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And he said there were, there were nine clues in the poem as to the location of the treasure. So it's Rudyard Kipling meets the King Gods. <laughs> Yes. Um, You could only get the book through like a certain bookstore in Santa Fe. He reportedly didn't profit from the proceeds, but it got a ton of publicity, like, you know, morning shows, newspaper articles, like, you know, it's a very... It's really good. I'm I'm like, uh, my wheels are already turning of like, how could I create a Sicilian inheritance treasure hunt to get me some book attention, my friends? I mean, like, yes. Yes. Duh. Yeah. This is a good idea. Totally. So people became obsessed. They, there were people, they, people studied this poem obsessively. Like they were trying to read codes and hidden meanings into it. And he played along. Like he was like, you can email me. And he would get often like a hundred emails a day. And it seems like he responded to, if not all, then like most of them. Um, and every Friday he would publish on his website a response to a question that people had sent him. Also, I should say at this point he was in his eighties. Well, 
that's a nice thing. Like, that's a nice hobby to have in your 80s. Totally. Right? Right? Like, you're just, yeah, it's, like, kind of fun. You know, you're, like, you have thousands of people who are, like, basically obsessed with you. (laughs) You Totally. Totally. Like, I mean... I'm just, you know, when I'm making my list of things that I want to be doing in my 80s or things I want to be doing in my 40s, to be honest, like this sounds like a lot of fun. This is the first episode where I'm like, I can really get behind this. I know. I really see your like your wheels turning. I was not expecting this, but I love it. Oh, yeah. So I'm here. I'm here for this. So, Joe, in 2022, The New Yorker produced a half hour long documentary called Finding Fen's Gold. And I'm going to play you a little bit of it because it features, the beginning features um, Forrest reading part of the poem. So I think that's kind of like a fun thing for you to hear. Okay. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. As I have gone alone in there and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk, but in below the home of Brown. Well, <laughs> well then. So yeah, so it's very... Um, uh, well, I don't know. I'm curious. Like, what what are your what are your first reactions upon hearing his voice and part of this poem? Like, I'm curious what you think. I mean, is it a little over the top? Is it a bit affected and erudite? Yeah, but also kind of brilliant, and I love it so much. Totally. And on that note, we are going to take a short break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. We are back. Now, as I think you've probably gathered just from even this brief introduction to who Forrest Fenn was and the treasure hunt, like he was a, you know, he's kind of a weirdo. A weirdo, but like the kind my kind he's my kind of weirdo. Okay. A benevolent I'm, weirdo. A benevolent weirdo. I'm just I'm 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 owning this. I really am. I love this for you. He was also like one of those people who just sort of like 
had his fingers in a lot of pots, but one of the pots he had his fingers in was he was an art dealer and he lived in Santa Fe. And in the 70s and 80s, he had a gallery in Santa Fe that sold art to people like Jackie Kennedy Onassis, Robert Redford, Cher, Steve Martin. Like it seems like basically anyone who came through Santa Fe who had a lot of money was like visiting his gallery. And then he also sold to people obviously like outside of Santa Fe. And he was selling things like oil paintings. He was also selling Native American art and artifacts. And this kind of comes into play a little later. But he was also a personal collector. Um, In a 2016 article about the treasure hunt, the New York Times described his home thusly. Mr. Fenn's wealth appears sizable. A small fortune is on display on the floor and walls of his compound. Persian rugs, Blackfeet Indian daggers, and an assortment of rare books, including the proof sheets for Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, with 26 of the author's markings. So he's got some, he's got some expensive stuff. I, I'm, you, know, you know what my question is going to be. Hit me. Does he have a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull? You know, there was no, uh, at least in the descriptions that I found, there were no references to dinosaurs. That did not seem to be, or like fossils along those lines. Like Those are not his jam. He likes- That did not seem to be his jam. Okay, okay. He likes cultural artifacts. He likes, yes. He likes cultural artifacts. He likes things produced by humans. But there were also there were always kind of like nagging questions about mm-hmm. just where he got the artifacts from. Oh, Providence! It always comes to, down mm-hmm. to Providence. Mm-hmm. 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 So I think it's fair to say that there was kind of a darker side to his collecting. Of course, um, there was. Yeah. In fact, he was raided by the FBI in 2019 mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. stolen artifacts. He was never charged, but he was raided, and in the New Yorker doc. They address accusations that he dug up graves for okay. some of his collection. I mean, he does like a treasure hunt. Yeah. And I mean, digging up graves is kind of the really bad version of a treasure hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. gross. Oh, I was so here with him for a while and now I can't be anymore. I know. Well, and also, like, you know, I think anyone, look, I don't want to cast aspersions, but the plundering of Native American art and artifacts does not seem to be uh, completely on the up and up, if you know what I mean. No, no, no. None of this is good. This is not good. This is, no, no. no. We've crossed, we've gone the other way. Oh, this makes me yeah, sad. I'm sorry. This I'm sorry to, okay. br- to, okay. to bring down yeah. the bring down the vibe. Um, now the new now the New Yorker doc, as I said, addresses these accusations. The, in my mind, as I was watching this, it, it seemed very strongly implied that he was a grave robber. <laughs> okay. Okay. But he was never charged, and there's no like. I guess there's no real smoking gun, but they do like kind of pan to a lot of the artifacts and they're like, hmm, where could these have come from? And they're dirty. Like they look like they were just pulled out of dirt in a grave. 
<laughs> bones. I mean, like, it's just it's <laughs> not it's not ideal. They also say the walls of his house were covered with, quote, thousands of years of human history, like a museum with no backstory. Okay. Okay. It kind of reminded me of two things. One is the Barnes collection, mm-hmm. which is just like, you know, hodgepodge of art sort of haphazardly arranged. Actually, oh, I haven't been I haven't been to should, the new Barnes collection. We should explain the Barnes collection for people who aren't familiar because it is such an eccentric rich person thing. Totally. Okay. So, sorry, the Barnes Foundation, I yes. guess is what it's called. Yes. So, there was a guy. I mean, he would actually be a too a good too much money subject. Oh, so well, let, let's let's here. I'll I'll do the 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 brief. Um, do the brief, and I'll then do maybe the brief, we'll explore this. I'll do the brief, but you know what? We could do a live episode from the Barnes Foundation because it's down the street from my house, and that would be a lot of fun, right? That would be a lot of it's fun. A field trip, a TMM field trip. Yes, I yes, love this. Yes. Okay. So Barnes was a very rich and eccentric art collector, and again, we're not doing the episode right now, so I'm, I'm not yeah. fact checking myself. <laughs> But what happened is that he had this huge art collection. It was displayed in a very particular way on the grounds of his large mansion. And it was not displayed in the way a normal museum is, like mm-hmm. by by date or by artist. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was, it's, it's beautiful, actually. It's, you know, certain pictures are put together by color or by yeah. texture or by different shapes that are in 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 the art, and it's not just not just paintings. There's did they there's also when they, sculpture when they moved the Barnes Museum because it used to be in his house. It was in his house, yes. But when in his will, it was stipulated that this could that the whole collection could be moved into a museum, but it had to be hung in the exact in the same, same way, way. Okay. in the exact same way. Yes. That does not surprise me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's really an example of a billionaire making a crazy request and then everyone bending over backwards to do it. Right. Yes. I, it also kind of reminds me, have you ever been to um, Sir John Soane's museum in London? No, I haven't. Oh, it kind of, it, John, Sir John Stone's museum, it seems like it's like a mashup of Barnes and this guy's house. Okay. Okay. Maybe maybe we do an episode on on both of them. Totally. Okay. All right. I'm here for that. Anyway. Um, nice anyway side. Lo- love that sidebar. Back to Forrest Fenn. So, so there was, you know, there were always these kind of nagging questions of provenance. Mm-hmm. And there were also some other nagging questions of what the treasure hunt was doing to the people who were looking for the treasure. Oh. So as I said before, like some people got extremely obsessed. So in the New Yorker doc, they talked to someone who'd been searching for the treasure for 780 days, like basically straight, (laughs) who said the treasure hunt was an escape, a true adventure. But, you know, some people went bankrupt looking for the treasure. Some marriages ended, and also people died. So, what? yeah. So, in 2016, the remains of a 54 year old man named Randy Billu were found in the Rio Grande, and he had been missing for seven months when his body was found. He had bought a raft and set out in January. 
after scouting for two weeks along the river west of Santa Fe. He had a GPS device. He had a wetsuit and waders. He also brought along his dog. That's nice for him. At least he didn't die alone. Yeah. Well, his ex-wife, um, someone reached out to his ex-wife like a week later when they hadn't heard from him. And she filed a missing persons report. His raft and his dog were found the next day. Unclear whether the dog was alive. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he was found seven months later and he had been looking for the treasure. And then the next year in 2017, there was a pastor from Colorado named Paris Wallace who went missing and he was later found dead. And his family said that he had been searching for the treasure. And um, Randy's ex-wife, Linda, who had reported him missing, was very angry about this. She said that the treasure was a scam and a hoax She said he should end the search, that he's endangering lives for his own selfish reasons. And Fenn, like when he was asked for comment about um, Paris's death, he said, it is always tragic when someone dies and this latest loss hit me very hard. Life is too short to wear both a belt and suspenders. If someone drowns in the swimming pool, we shouldn't drain the pool. We should teach people to swim. So what is he saying there? Is he saying we should teach people to better search for right. hidden treasure? Not clear because it's not like he then like released more clues. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's. So, oh, God, he's really lost me. Yeah, I found this statement to be a bit wanting. <laughs> myself um but then someone found it and now we're gonna take a break story (laughs) yes that that is the best cliffhanger you've had on this podcast yet all right all right let's do it okay Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I've been I've been waiting, waiting with bated breath. Well, here we go. But first, I need to bring you back to 2012. I'm sorry, but I do. So I had started a job at BuzzFeed earlier that year. Mm, I remember that. I remember this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we had a tech section that was kind of like a fun sort of like tech culture um, section. And one of the like pretty regular freelancers that they used was this guy named Jack Stoof. Mm-hmm. And he like some of the pieces he had written for us included like a piece about how Wikipedia had a child pornography problem that they like didn't know how to deal with. Um, he also wrote this piece about people who had gotten sponsored by companies and 
gotten tattoos of the companies, including tattoos like on their faces, and the companies no longer existed. Oh wow! So he was writing like these kinds of pieces. Oh, that's he, so good. That like that makes me think like, what if I had gone all in and gotten a Yahoo tattoo? Right, exactly. Like a like a like a face or neck tattoo that just said Yahoo with Yahoo! the exclamation point, and it was yeah. purple. Yeah. So. One of the pieces that he published, actually his last piece for BuzzFeed was in December 2012. He published a 2,000-word takedown of a then-popular internet cartoonist called The Oatmeal. Do you remember The Oatmeal? Does this ring any bells? No, but I'll bet you Nick does. I'm sure he does. So The Oatmeal at that time was very popular, but he had put a rape joke into his comic. And this led Jack to write like this deep dive into the oatmeal and his politics and his cartoons. And as you can imagine, the oatmeal was not thrilled about this. He was, in fact, he was infuriated and he published a response on his website. It became this like big internet kerfuffle. BuzzFeed had to run a correction. The piece is still up, but there's a correction at the end. Like I think Jack had incorrectly said he was married. There, there were like all these like little details he'd gotten wrong. So you know, the oatmeal was able to kind of like seize on those and be like, see, mm-hmm. 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 yeah, but like, course. you know, so Jack never wrote another piece for us. And I think it's fair to say like most of us lost track of him. Okay. And then in 2020, I got a text from a former coworker and he was like, Hey, did you see that? That guy, Jack Stoof is the one who found the buried treasure. <laughs> No, no. The world is not this small. I swear to God. You have rendered me speechless. Wow. Oh, my gosh. This is unprecedented. (laughs) I know. I just. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Just carry on. Carry on while I collect myself. Okay. (laughs) So in the ensuing years, he had like left his past as a as a uh, freelance writer behind he'd gone to medical school and he had also become obsessed with forest fen's treasure he, wait he went to medical school yes he went to medical school i admire that you know as someone who's always thinking about what to do after being a journalist because this industry is dying uh medical school sounds interesting jack stoof i mean uh, to his credit, he figured this out before most of us did. <laughs> like, really he was happy only, for him that he got out. He was 32 in 2020. So he was only like 24, I guess, when he wrote those stories for us. So he was, you know, he was still relatively young. So he says that he figured out the general location of the treasure in 2018. But it took him many months to figure out the exact spot and that he spent 25 days of failure, that's what he called them, looking for it before he found it. So he found it in June 2020. He found it in Wyoming. Wait, he found it during the pandemic? Yes. Yes. Shut up. Well, actually, you know what? It's, I mean, that's actually, actually, <laughs> right, actually like, a really n- good time to be looking for treasure. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um And in September, he published an anonymous account of finding it on Medium. He didn't want his identity revealed. In the past five minutes, we've talked about five defunct media companies. 
Oh my God. Well, Medium still exists. Does it? Really? Yes. They have pivoted once again, apparently. <laughs> oh, God bless. Uh-huh. Um, so he says that he wanted to remain anonymous. He says, not because I have anything to hide, but because Forrest and his family have endured stalkers, death threats, home invasions, frivolous lawsuits, and a potential kidnapping, all at the hands of people with delusions related to his treasure. I don't want these things happening uh, to happen to me and my family. But his hand was forced because there was a lawsuit and the U.S. District Court for New Mexico ruled that Forrest's estate, because Forrest died in September 2020, um, must provide some of my personal information to a woman I do not know and with whom I've never communicated who has brought a meritless lawsuit against me. This would make my name a matter of public record. So I chose to come forward today. So this was in December of 2020. He has also never revealed exactly where the treasure was. And at first I was like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. Like there's all these people who are like so obsessed and they'll never like get this closure. But then he explained why. And I was like, okay, this actually does make sense. So this is what he wrote about why he didn't reveal it. He said, if I were to reveal where the treasure was, the natural wonder of a place that Forrest held so dear will be destroyed by people seeking treasure they hope I dropped on my way out or Forrest on his way in. Adding to this risk is the fact that Forrest never wrote up an inventory of what was in the chest at the time he secreted it. So I can't prove to anyone that no item is missing from the chest. Two items that Forrest had said in the past were in the chest were not when I found it. The small gold frog on a necklace and the Spanish emerald ring found at San Lazaro. Forrest was able to locate the small frog in his vault and it was given to me after my find, but he had no idea what happened to the emerald ring. So all of this happened, like I think partly because Forrest revealed that someone had found the treasure. Oh... Part, I think okay. partly because he wasn't saying exactly where it was and, and Jack wanted to remain anonymous. At first, people thought it was a hoax that, like, maybe there never even been treasure. Like, it, you know, there it, you know, you have to understand, like, some of these people are, like, true obsessives. Totally, totally. Well, I mean, I, up until someone found, I was thinking that there's no treasure. Right. So like to them, oh, you're not going to tell us where it was. And this per- this alleged finder is not even saying who they are. Hmm. Like sounds fishy. <laughs> so in those months, there was a lot, there were a lot of people um, who had been looking, who were like spinning these conspiracy theories about the treasure. You know, there were like multiple blogs that of people who had been trying to find it. There were there were like b- communities of people who had sprung up. Some of them were looking for it together. And I think that part of the thing that pissed some of them off so much is that Jack was like a lone wolf. Like he wasn't part of any of these online communities. He didn't have a blog. Like he wasn't publicly searching for it. He kind of came out of nowhere. And they were like, who's this dude? (laughs) And so that was all happening kind of in these last few months. And then I think after Forrest died and this lawsuit came, like that changed things a little bit. And Jack came forward. And then he sold it in September 2022. 
Sold it. He sold it. He said, I no longer own any part of the treasure and have no financial interest in its future on the collectibles market. I've come to understand that the group of buyers had decided to keep certain items of the treasure for themselves, but were eager to buy the rest of it as well as they were interested in speculating on the price they could achieve on it in a public sale. The current owners who wish to remain anonymous inform me they are today offering the items of the treasure they've not retained for themselves in a one-time sale through Heritage Auctions. So Heritage Auctions in November, no, okay, yeah, in November 2022, they put this stuff up on their website. Mm -hmm. People had about a month. There were 476 gold pieces, coins, jewelry, and other items found in the chest. That was what ended up happening. Happening to the treasure. Yes. Um, So some of the things in the chest were... A Liberty Half Eagle, a centuries-old Colombian gold ornament. There is a 549-gram Alaskan gold placer. I don't even know what that is. Roughly the size of a hen's egg. Hundreds of coins. uh, Frog pendant from Costa Rica or Panama, circa 700 to 1000 AD. Uh, Like, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I will link to this press release from Heritage Auctions where they kind of go through the catalog and you can also see the actual um uh, you can see they link to the items themselves so you can you can see those too um so so that is what so the the treasure has been kind of distributed i mean i think also as jack also said he he writes some fans of the treasure hunt reached out to tell me they hope they could purchase an item from the treasure to commemorate their own adventure searching for it. So I think a lot of, I, I'm assuming a lot of the people who bought the items were people who had been trying to find the treasure and this maybe maybe this did give them like some closure. I I have thoughts on that. You know, I I genuinely believe that people are hungry for things like this, that they're hungry for adventure and to be kind of shaken out of the ordinary and Mm. it might be nice you know to have more things like this that aren't you know pilfered and grave robbed items but i think that this is why people like things like escape rooms yes totally like i think that we're hungry to try to solve a mystery or a quest you know Mm -hmm. and i i think i think a lot about the quote-unquote explorers who went out and raped and pillaged um, many, many lands around the country. Mm-hmm. And there's just not a version of that any longer in the mm-hmm. world. I mean, there there is, but, you know, the average dude living in Secaucus can't just leave his house and be like, I'm going to go uh, go explore, go explore this jungle. So I think that there remains some kind of human hunger and especially male human hunger to go find stuff. Totally. Have you read um, the book Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts? No, but I'll, I'll buy it on that title alone. <laughs> it's one of my favorite books. I love it. It's by a woman named Kate Raculia. And it's about what happened. It's about a, a woman named Tuesday Mooney. And there's an eccentric billionaire who dies and he leaves behind a treasure hunt in Boston. Um, and it's it's a story of that treasure hunt. It's a very fun book. I really enjoyed it. But it's it, it is this idea that like, you know, there is something about this that is exciting. And, you know, you feel like you're sort of in community with a lot of people. Totally, totally. I think it's also why geocaching is a thing. 
Yes. Yes. A thousand percent. So, yeah. So that is the story of Forrest Fenn and his buried treasure. And the reason I even got interested in this is because I heard like through the grapevine that someone I sort of know who is very wealthy is doing their own treasure hunt that I don't believe is public yet. So I will be watching that to see what happens <laughs> if that is an actual thing. Cause I think that this person like wants to be the next forest fed. Well, if they do it, you and I have to participate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we have to hunt Deal. for this treasure. Okay. Deal. Good. And, and I look forward to your Sicilian inheritance treasure hunt. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go hide five dollars in a galley of the Sicilian inheritance and put it in a free library somewhere. Yeah, amazing. Right? That's okay. not that's not a bad idea. Great. Do it right now. Do All it. Right. Okay. Well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening to my story. <laughs> thanks. For, thanks for sharing. Yeah. As always. As always. And let's remind everyone of our email so they can yes. so they can participate in this treasure hunt as well. Too much money podcast at gmail.com. And also, Too Much Money is hosted and produced by us, Story Shafrier and Joe Piazza. Our music is by Lisa Brenner and our network partners, ACAST. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Like a Midas touch by the very first time, I make decisions with my wallet, not my mind. Too much money for one person to control. 